Welcome to episode 20 of the Chewy On Your Boot podcast and a pretty big guest today, Riley. Yep. One that will give us great insight. He's a senior AFL, senior AFL reporter, works for Fox Sports, Tom Morris. Tommy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Benny. Thank you, Riley. It's great to be here. It's a privilege to be on your show. So, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm honoured to be chatting to you both right now. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so we'll get straight into it. Uh, Tommy, you're usually the interviewer. How's it felt, feel to be the interviewee? Yeah, that is a great first question. I don't know who, made up, who came up with that, but it's <laughs> unusual. I'm not usually the one being interviewed. I'm not as interesting as uh, most of the people I interview myself, but I know I'll try to do it justice by giving you some insight when I can, but I'm not the oracle. I don't know everything about the world, um, but I'll try to give as many interesting answers as I can, and <laughs> hopefully I can have some people listening, because uh, I'm, and I'll be judging your interviewing skills more harshly than... Uh, than I would otherwise, because I've been in your, your shoes, and I know it's not always easy, but uh, I'm sure you can ask me anything, and I'll, be, yeah. I'll do the best to answer it. No, definitely. That's Pressure's good. on, Riley. Yeah, I know. Um, when, did you, when did you discover your passion for sport and for the sports journalism industry? When did I discover my passion for sport? I think uh, I can never remember not being passionate about yeah, sport. Okay. I, yeah. I a, uh, my sixth birthday was a sports party. I invited all the boys, just the boys, at that time <laughs> in, in, in the class round to my house, and they all had to wear a sporting jersey, and we played, I'm born in July, so we had soccer and footy, and we played tennis, and we played cricket, Jeez. and then we played uh, ten-pin bowling as six-year-olds for my sixth birthday, and I think the passion for sport is something that you grow up with, with your family, yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and when you're young, as you guys know, you're kicking the footy, and you're playing cricket in the front garden, in the back garden all the time, so I've always had a passion for sport, uh, passion for sports journalism, well, I, I, I probably don't. I probably can't put a finger on my passion for sports journalism started, but certainly my passion for what goes on in the media started in 2001. Because I remember, and I remember it very clearly, Matthew Hayden made a uh, hundred. He made 203 yeah. against in, India in India yeah. uh, in a series that Australia lost 2-1, and it was, it was a remarkable series for a number of reasons. But I remember I, I was talking to my dad and I was saying, how, how good was this? I was up listening to it late, on, late at night on the radio. We didn't have Foxtel at the time. And, you know, you sit there next to the radio and listen to it. It's something that kids these days wouldn't be able to comprehend. But right that, back then, it was all you could do. Anyway, and I was probably 10 years old, and I, dad said, well, why don't you write a match report based on the game? And I remember that's great. I will. Yeah. So I wrote, and I still have it. I, I wrote probably a page, uh, Times New Roman size sixteen font, <laughs> and on Matthew Hayden's innings, and, and Adam Gilchrist also made a hundred in that match. And I remember clearly not being able to spell the word swept because Matthew <laughs> Hayden and Adam Gilchrist swept the bowls all over the place, and I, and I spelt it incorrectly, and and Dad fixed it for me after that. So I, I don't know. You can probably trace it back to after that, but I've always been interested in commentators and, and reading the news and, 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 and digesting different sports media. And I think that's the best way you can, you can actually be- become part of the industry because you don't just love the sport, you love the way the sport's covered as well. Yeah, and that's probably yeah. a very short history of, of why I love um, sports journalism and, and, media and, and sport in the media. That's yeah, good, that's a great good. story. And uh, moving on a few years after that, um, what were you covering for your first experience on live TV and how are you feeling before that? Do you still get nervous before you're going on air? Oh, my first experience of live TV, um, you're testing me now, it's not that long ago, I just actually can't remember exactly what it was. Um, I feel like my first experience of live TV 
was when Australia uh, there was a big pay dispute in Australian cricket. Yeah, yeah. And um, and in the end, the the players got pretty much what they want. I think it was twenty sixteen. Yeah. Might have been twenty seventeen. It was twenty seventeen. And uh, I went to the press conference at the MCG, which was held in the in the nets of the MCG with Alistair Nicholson, who's the CEO of the Players Association, and James Sutherland, who was the CEO of Cricket Australia. And because I'd broken the story, I was with a, a, a very fine journalist who's now with Channel 7 called Tom Chadwick. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and they said, oh, do you want to come do an interview with him on, on, on TV? And I said, absolutely, I could do it. I was wearing a dirty grey jumper and I hadn't shaved for a few days. <laughs> I was really scruffy. And I was nervous, but I felt as if I knew the, the content pretty well. Right now, I don't get nervous if I go on TV unless I'm not prepared. Yeah, if I'm unprepared, okay. I feel like I'm... I'm not ready for it, and that's when I get a little bit nervous. That's probably when I speak a bit too quickly and, and don't quite get the content across the, that I want. Yeah. But most of the time now, I'm pretty relaxed because I've done the preparation, and I just go and do it. But it's like anything. The more you do it, the more comfortable you yeah. get, and the more you can just um, – you, you can you can ride the waves of it. So if something doesn't go, wrong, doesn't go right, you can just move on smoothly. I'm not, just say, I'm not saying the job is easy, but I'm saying that I find it easier now than I did a couple of years ago, and I expect it's the same – older journalists who've been doing it for 10 or 15 or 20 years. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, what is your favourite sport to cover and what would you say is the biggest moment you've covered so far in your career? My favourite sport to cover is cricket yeah. because Good answer. I love cricket. Um, I love footy as well, but I think the very best of cricket is just, it just, it just trumps almost everything. I think probably yeah. the very best of soccer is the best sport there is. Sometimes it's too few and far between, but I think if you if you have the peak of every single sport, I think soccer's number one. But in terms of the sports I cover, cricket and footy, uh, I think cricket um, is, is brilliant to do so. The biggest, did you say the biggest moment I've covered in sport? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, probably the AFL Grand Final. Yeah, yeah that's fair Probably enough. sitting in the media box when Dom Sheave kicked the goal to sink Collingwood in the 2018 Grand Final was it was an exhilarating moment. Yeah. But that was probably it. Um, in terms of cricket, I've been to, or uh, there hasn't been, a, I haven't been to many big events. Like it's not like I've been to an Olympics or a World Cup or anything like that at all. So probably the AFL Grand Final sticks yeah. out the last couple of years that I've covered. Yeah, okay. Um, and so you mentioned your love for cricket. Do you still play cricket, or is it too hard with your work com- commitments? I still play cricket, yeah, but only when I can. So I play for um, Old Melbourneians Cricket Club on Sundays when I get the chance. Yeah, and uh, and I enjoy that because you play the best grounds. And it's 40 hours aside and it's a 12.30 start, so you don't have to wake up too early. And I've really missed playing good competitive district cricket. It's yeah. probably the thing I miss most. Yeah. But also, you've got to reach a point in your life, and I did it when I was about 25, where it just becomes too much. The training, it, it, I mean, it's an amateur sport, but it becomes almost semi-professional in what they expect of you. And, and I was never a superstar, so I had to train really hard to be up to the level. Yeah. Um, so I, I miss playing at that level, but I also really appreciate having my Tuesdays and Thursday nights back and playing with your mates on Sundays. So I think I'll play sports for as long as I could. I'd love to still play futsal. I'd love to still play footy. I'd love to play more golf, but you can't do it all. You've got to work and try to make some money at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, you took a nice catch while boundary riding in the Big Bash last season. <laughs> Can you run us through that, Tommy? Uh, <laughs> what have you guys have done your research? That catch at the BBL last year... Um, was probably the greatest moment of my life. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, probably wasn't the greatest moment of my life. It just, I mean, for some background, I've been, I went, I did about twenty-five BBL games last year yeah. um, as a boundary rider, and a few of the, a few of the grounds you sort of sit at long on and and long off. And for anyone that knows cricket, 
you're unlikely to take a catch there because yeah. there's normally a long on, long off in place. So they normally don't take on the field. If they take on the fielder, they normally go straight. Yeah. So I didn't get close to taking one there, but I've, I always wanted one. And that <laughs> night, I wasn't going to wear my glasses because I have to wear glasses. I can't see long distance very well. I wasn't going to wear my glasses to the ground. But then, as I was leaving the house, I thought, oh, imagine if the ball came to me. I'll, just, I'll take my glasses <laughs> in case. Anyway, um, I, was, I was a deep backward square leg. And an off spinner was bowling, and this batsman kept trying to flick him. I actually can't remember who the batsman was. He kept trying to flick this butt, this bloke over mid wicket, and he couldn't get it. And it, this ball was just in the slot. I think it was Chris Green who bowled it. Yeah, it was. Uh, maybe Narby was the batsman, and he just flicked it straight to me. It was a perfect sort of, uh, it was a perfect parabola for those of you doing maths because it wasn't <laughs> too high and loopy, so I didn't have too much time to think about it, which can be a curse. But equally. Yep. It wasn't too hard and flat, so it wasn't going to burst my hands. Went straight to me. I'm a wicket keeper, which means my hands are pointed down, so it's very comfortable, and I, and, I, and I took it easily. It was as easy a catch as you could possibly imagine, but what happens in journalism and media is anyone who... Uh, most punters think that if you were any good at cricket, you would have played at the elite level, and all journalists must have been unco. That's why they're journalists. <laughs> so to actually try to dispel those myths was, uh, or try to dispel those myths was, was pretty satisfying at the time, and it got some coverage, which was quietly pretty satisfying as well. Yeah, that's good. It was a good catch. And uh, you recently worked on draft night for Fox. Um, what are your thoughts on the draft? Uh, is it the quality of the draft or the coverage of the draft? Uh, oh, both. Yeah, so the, oh, the quality, I'm no draft expert, but I speak to those in the know, like Callum Toomey from AFL Media and Matt Barmer from Fox Footy, and, and they say the, quality, the, the top echelon of draftees are good. So we'll wait and see. I, I, my quiet frustration with the draft every year, and I don't, I, you can't fix it, is that um, every draftee that gets taken is either a bolter or a steal or has elite, elite skills or elite speed or elite size or it is a start. But the reality is very few actually become proven uh, long-term players for their club. So I, I, I like the draft, but I'm, I'm no draft expert. In terms of the coverage, I, I think it's good that it's done over two nights. I think the second night went a bit long. Yeah. For those of you, we were, on air, we were on air for three and a half hours and we had four ad breaks in that time. So yeah, right. Trying to, trying to find things to talk about for that length of time was uh, was not easy, but luckily I had Kevin Sheen and Mick Ablett with me who were able to talk. But it's good to be part of. Anytime you're part of live TV, it doesn't matter whether you're, whether you're covering lawn bowls. Like, yeah, live TV is a thrill regardless, so I think the draft has good coverage. The, the viewer numbers were good, and uh, it's good to be part of something like that, which will be etched in the memories of, of many of the kids who get drafted. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've obviously had the recent test series against Pakistan and the re- the upcoming series against New Zealand. How do you see that playing out? Well, the Pakistan series was disappointing, was it? Um, yeah. I, I didn't really expect anything different. I mean, maybe it was in a little bit more comprehensive than what we expected, but to win by innings in both games was uh, was incredibly one-sided. Um, Pakistan are number eight in the world for a reason. They yeah. probably, probably play like the 20th best team in the world away <laughs> from home, so... Um, the gap between their best and the worst is, I think, bigger than any other sporting team in the world. Yeah. Uh, and that was proven across the, the few days at the Gabba and then in Adelaide as well. But we still played good cricket, and I think our batting order started to come together, especially Labashane at three. I really like that. You can't win series consistently unless you have a very solid three, four, five. Yeah. I like Matthew Wade at five. Clearly, Steve Smith at four was um, locked in for a long time. And Labashane at three is really technically solid as well. So I think we've got the backbone of a pretty good batting order. The bowling's never really been in question, so that just continues to be a strength, especially in Australian conditions on bouncy wickets. New Zealand's going to be more of a challenge. Uh, New Zealand's got a very good team. They're number two in the world for a reason. 
They were too good for England um, over the last few weeks. And their best players are world-class. I think Ross Taylor's probably the most underrated cricketer of this generation. Yeah, he's he very good. In the high 40s. Um, he made 290 against Australia at the Wacker about three or four years ago. And Kane Williamson, we know what he can do. And their fast bowlers are pretty good. I still think Australia's going to win, but I'm not as completely rock-solid confident as I was with Pakistan. I think it's probably a 60-40 or a 65-35 proposition at the moment. But I do like the Kiwis. They always bat above their weight. And they're always good to watch, so I think it's going to be a good series. Yeah, yeah. definitely more of a competitive series yeah. against Pakistan. Looking forward to it. And uh, just for our listeners, could you could you run through your, I guess, day-to-day activities as part of your job? My day-to-day activities as part of my job is a really interesting question because the no day is the same as the last day. Yeah. Um, I'll, run these, I'll, I'll run you through a Monday because that's probably my most interesting day the job in the footy season, so uh, I wake up, I go, to the, I go to a body fit class every morning, which is a gym class, just to try to stay fit, because I'm a big one, that physical fitness equals mental yep. fitness, yep. so I'm able to um, function as I should for the rest of the day, as long as I do some sort of exercise in the morning, that's how I find it anyway, yep. um, and then I sit and I uh, read both The Herald Sun and The Age at a cafe near my house, I don't drink coffee, so I just get myself a smoothie and a bircher. A Bertrand Muesli. Um, yeah, yeah. That takes me about 45 minutes to just read the sport of both pages. I should probably read more, but time is of the essence. And then I get to work uh, at about 10 to 10, and we have a, a meeting for On the Couch, which is a show on Fox Footy, yeah, yeah. Um, at 10 o'clock. And that meeting is probably the highlight of the week, because you sit there and you're listening to Gary Lyon and Paul Roos and Jared Healy and Jonathan Brown and a couple of other producers talk about the footy news from the weekend. So you get a great insight into what the very best experts think about the game. That goes for about an hour. They plan what's on the show. And then I spend the rest of the day trying to chase stories for the, for the show that night, which is on at 8.30. So effectively between 11 a.m. When the, when the meeting ends and 8.30 that night. So I've got about nine and a half hours to come up with, well, either one big story or two pretty big stories or yeah. four reasonable stories, whatever it might be the show which I'm on at the end so I normally get between sort of two minutes and towards the back end of the season with trade maybe seven or eight or nine or ten minutes on the show but Mondays are probably the most interesting day for that reason because it's a pretty high profile show it's high pressure um, but I enjoy being part of it and, and getting the guidance of those really experienced people in the media so Monday is probably very different to every other day every other day uh, it's, just, it's just trying to chase stories as much as I can I, I speak to people on the phone um, I, I think about different leads and and also, I try to um, develop relationships with managers and, and people at clubs so that if a story does come up, I can call someone and they'll take my call, which is probably one of the harder things. Because if people aren't taking your calls, you're not going to get any stories. So you, you want to have relationships and networks that, where people can trust you. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, you recently featured in a sports bet video alongside Damien Fleming. Is that a surreal moment being alongside a star such as him, or is that something you've got used to now? <laughs> well... Yeah, you, you can never take it for granted working alongside some of the greats of the game, whether it's footy or cricket. Um, the sports bet video was just uh, was just a funny little one they asked me to do, and I was more than happy to do it. Yeah. But Damien Fleming was really the main character in that um, little bloke's playing slog sweeps over the <laughs> corner and getting bowled. Uh, I'm, I'm not funny, so I don't try to be funny, and some of the acting was pretty poor in that, but Damien Fleming is more funny than I am, um, and I hope people enjoyed it. But... Uh, there, there are some pinch yourself moments. It's weird. You sort of get used to having the people around at Fox Footy as you go. So I'm, I'm quite close to Jared Healy. Yeah. I get along with some other guys as well, like David King. And you get used to. You just realise they're normal people. Um, 
but then at the start of last cricket season, when I first worked with Shane Warne and Adam Gilchrist, it made me think to myself, geez, this is amazing. But then you sort of get to know them and you realise that they're sort of normal people, except maybe not Warney. Warney, <laughs> Warney's living in his own world, yeah. as you guys probably know as well. But yeah. uh, you, don't, you don't fully get used to working with those sort of guys, but as you get older, as they trust you and relax more around you, you understand that you, you know this, this is a job. Um, they're dedicated to the craft. You've got a slightly different job to do, but you're all trying to do the best thing for the company, and it, it, it's something that you enjoy, and it's why you've got to appreciate what you're doing. Why I've got great gratitude for being able to work in the industry that I am. No, that's yep. great. And uh, is being a sports journalist everything you thought it would be? And what are your plans for the future? Well, I didn't know what being a sports journalist would entail. Really, I mean, uh, when I finished school, I, I went away for a year. I went to. Um, play cricket in England, then I came back, and then I enrolled in a sports journalism course. Initially, I'd been enrolled in arts at Melbourne, so I actually wasn't 100% sure whether I wanted to do that or how to get into it, and it just sort of developed um, in a way that that has suited me. In the end, I think um, sports journalism is changing all the time, so no one could say hand on heart that what they thought sports journalism would be 10 years ago is what it is now. Um, it's far more digital, it's, it's quick-paced, and it's almost changing every few months what's important and, and, and how companies are hiring their people. So uh, I'm enjoying what I do. Um, there's no real clear plans for the future. A- anytime I get a chance to host or commentate cricket, yeah. um, I really enjoy that. That's what I enjoy the most. But in the end, footy's got a bigger market, and being able to break stories in footy is what you know, brings the company money, and I think that's probably where my um, allegiance lies at the moment, but I'm not ruling anything in or out for the future. I'd like to do some more sports. I'd love to work on soccer. Um, I'd love to work in London, although I'm not sure that's going to be possible, given that <laughs> I'm embedded in footy now. And I'd love to do some Olympic stuff as well, but I understand these things take time, and you've got to bide your time. The, the, the one bit of advice I give people is just don't complain, because everyone works at different, different, uh, different paces, and some people will try to get to... It's good to be ambitious and driven, but if you're too ambitious and too driven, then you actually turn people off you. Yeah, so okay. it's important to have that balance right. And one thing I have in my mind is if I'm going to complain, I'm going to make sure that it's just a, like it's a really rare event and I'm going to make sure that it's it's absolutely justified. Otherwise, just going to stick your head down and do the best job you can. And if you do that, I think most, most of the time things work out in your favour. No, that's a yeah. good attitude to have. Well, Tommy, that's about all we've got for you today. Um, we're incredibly, incredibly grateful for your time and... Uh, yeah, it's been a great insight for us and all our listeners. Yeah, thanks very much, Tom. No worries. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Riley. And good luck with your journeys as well. I'm sure you're doing a great job and the podcast sounds good already. So your questions were spot on. So far, it's an A+. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you.